0: Greg, Commander, my pleasure to meet you. How are you today?
1: I'm fine, thank you. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing really good. You're 10 years out out of federal prison, huh?
1: 11 years now.
0: 11 years. Yes, ma'am. Was there anything anybody could have said to you, Greg, that would have kept you from joining the gang and running the streets selling crack cocaine? Is there anything or was there if there would have been um a Danny downtown that was getting up and going to a 9 to 5 every day and showed some kind of love to you and 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 support is there anything that could have kept you from going that route um even though you had lost your your mother and 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 and, and which I I'm, I'm so sorry for uh, my condolences and not having that relationship with your father is there anything anybody can mm-hmm. say?
1: um it's not that someone could have told me it's that i couldn't understand them you know it's almost like you know someone standing on 10th floor and you on first on first floor and trying to trying to comprehend what they're saying and it's kind of difficult because not only is there a distance between y'all, it's a lot between you and and them. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them was that, um, you know, I wasn't in, in the eighth grade when when my mother died. I was 19 years old. Oh, 19. I dropped okay. out of school in the eighth grade. I dropped out of school in the eighth grade. Okay. I had my first child um, at a very young age. I was in the eighth grade uh, when uh, when I had my first kid. And um, wait a minute, that, wait,
0: what, you had your first child when you were in eighth grade, you're still a kid yourself.
1: Yes, but that when I dropped out of school, uh, uh, that's something that's in between, because at that point, I mean, I headed to the streets because when I dropped out of school, I was I was in between with the streets. I was in the streets and the streets were teaching me something totally different than what someone else could have told me. hmm. So the life I was living, you know, being a dropout uh, with a child, it put me in a different bracket, and uh, it wasn't a whole lot of me. Uh, What I mean there, it's not a whole lot of people that would drop out of school in the eighth grade and had they child at this time, drop out of school, and and, and ended up in the street trying to figure out, you know, uh, trying to live their life, breaking and stealing and, and robbing people and doing all this stuff because I didn't have a job and I'm out of school. I'm doing nothing. And that's um, led me to, to to be part of uh, 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 crews and, and gangs and stuff because it's not that I chose to be part of that is that I had to be part of that to get what I need to survive, which was money, and I had to join something or somebody to get it. Does that make any sense. Oh,
0: it makes all kinds of sense. And so, but if there was somebody that would have taken you in and shown an interest to you and shown you a different way of life, you know, it, it never occurred to you that you could have been a Barack Obama. You understand what I'm well, saying? This,
1: yeah, and this is what's been said to me today. That's what, That's what you know, with the knowledge that I have now, if someone would have took me under my wing, under their wing, as they did when I was a boxer, as they took me part of the streets, if somebody would have took me and gave me a new direction, led and guided me uh on the right path I, I probably could have been pretty much anything i wanted to be and yes it could have been someone to do that but at the time you know mama was the only one that can teach mama the only one that a, a, a troubled child really can hear and even though they hear mama they it was finding themselves not being obedient to mama even though i hear what she's saying Because now that I'm I'm, I'm adopted to the streets, the streets was giving me a different teaching that contradicts me being obedient to mama. But I thought I was so unique. I was at home. I was was trying to be the best child at home. But when I was in the street, I was an animal.
0: Oh, my God. You said you were an animal. I was an animal in the street. So let me ask you this. Because there were people, I mean, for you to even admit that that you were one of these people, that you didn't care about harming someone or traumatizing them, and that sort of thing. Um, if you would, and thank God, I don't know if you did or not, but thank God you weren't ever convicted of of uh, some type of felony murder. But if you were, if you, if that were the case. Do you think a lot of these people, a lot of the people that are listening today, even though you're doing uh, all that you that you do now, there mm-hmm. are people who are going to say that you deserve to be you you deserved to be in prison and you deserve not to walk amongst the rest of us.
1: Well, that that's the problem that we're having in our community today is because you know I do what I do now, which has got my own organization. Um, Commander Peace Academy. What I deal with the youth, I deal with the violence. I deal with reentry. I go back into prisons and and, and 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 help guys transition. I build a bridge between prison and and and, and society because I have done and I know how to do it. But but people they, they with the gang members and the people in the streets. There, there's a broken. There's again the tenth floor and the first floor again right. and everything uh, in between. We we deal with gangs, but we don't deal with individuals. We we' are in, these are individuals, these individuals in gangs, they're individuals, so therefore your teaching is real vague to to an individual like me and others because you're talking to me in plural and I'm single, even though even though you know you say I'm part of this gang, or I'm part of that gang, every one of those individuals are individuals. When they close their eyes, what they eat, the next man can't feel, can't eat, can't taste or nothing.
0: All right. We're talking to Greg Commander. Greg has an interesting story. Did you have to go to prison in order to save your life? Do you do you think that you could have been I mean you would have I mean how, what what would have been your story if you hadn't gone to prison? Well
1: that's that's the sad part about my story. I don't know what would have happened. And and, 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 and another thing I will say and I'm gonna say this, I'm trying to make some sense out of this because Um, God has truly blessed me. What happened was when I went to prison, I didn't, I don't want to give prison the credit that prison get when a lot of people use this, that, Oh, prison saved his life. Prison never saved no one's life. Right. Let's get it straight. Prison don't save no one's life. You don't put a man in bondage out of his character, out of his spirit to cage him as an animal and say it makes him better. That don't work. Right. That ain't what makes a man better. That's right. What makes a man better in my situation? What happened? Well, what, what I learned was the question was asked to me once, I say, Greg, um, prison changed your life. Prison did this, prison this, and prison that. No, no, no. I got I had to sit back and think and say, No, what about my second grade teacher who said, Greg, you somebody? What about my third and fourth, fifth grade, sixth grade teacher who said I was somebody and this, Greg's is not you, or oh, my mama, my auntie, my sister, my girlfriend, and all these people telling me, Greg, leave that alone, get out of that, get out of this, don't do that, don't sell drugs, don't do this, and I didn't listen, but those are the people that should be getting the credit because they put you on the path, because in my spirit, when I was in prison, I could hear those voices. I can hear my mama talking to me. Uh huh.
0: Did you learn to read in in Did you learn to read in prison?
1: Yes, I dropped out of school. I only had an eighth grade edu- education. I dropped out of school. I failed the seventh grade and dropped out in eighth grade. I I couldn't read or write. I could read, but I comprehend words the way I hear them. And 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 reading is not just reading words. Reading reading it is is comprehending it, and I couldn't comprehend it. So don't think they're reading because you can read a book or read words or read newspaper or a magazine, but comprehending is, that's the part that I didn't have. And that's the part that most kids don't have is the comprehending what they're reading. So that is what reading is.
0: Okay, so So, once you had your reading and and you were learning to comprehend, you had to teach yourself uh, this while you were in prison. Had you have had that Early on, is it a possibility you would have been a different person then? What did reading, oh, boy, what did reading, what did reading and comprehension mean for you? It,
1: it really, it really made me feel uh, part of something. I was like, without a, without education, I, I feel that you're lost, you're separated. I was, I, I was like, I was a thug, I was a street because I didn't have an education. I thought this was all part of not having an education and you know most people that's out in the streets a lot of them don't have education that's the beginning so therefore we live a life that we are embarrassed really don't tell nobody but we're embarrassed we can't read we can't we can't we can't spell so we cover it up by acting out and letting you see the other character of us Hmm. and that's what i was doing i couldn't read so i had you know one thing i had to do was learn how to read and write so i got disrespected by a guard in Uh, at the school and I was talking to him and he, we had a debate a, a, a debate because in prison what they do they teach you to learn about the black man this and the black man that and I got well versed in it but didn't have an education so I was going around tossing around like a little a, a little young cub you know the first thing I want to do is chew on stuff so I'm, I'm debating with this, this, this black teacher um, about, about the black man and he and I was getting the best of the conversation and he stopped the conversation he said um he said, do you got a degree? I started fluffing my feather. I thought that he was impressed with my conversation. Like, you know, he's thinking I got a degree. You know, but at the same time, he was just saying, you know, he was asking me, uh, uh, did I have a degree? I said, no, I ain't even got a GED. So I thought I was proud of that, you know. And um, he said, I don't even want to talk to you no more until you get an education. I felt bad because that's all I had is my talk game. And that's most of the young guys that like me, we, we got a very slick talk game. Wow. So you disrespect that talk game, whether you're a female, whether a police, most of our, our fights come from because you're you, you out talking to us or you're dialing us the way what we know. So I felt real small. I went back to my unit. I ran into this white guy who was a school teacher. And I asked this guy, I, say, I said, I need you to teach me how to read and write. I, I, I need to get my GED. And he said, um, he said, yeah, I... I I, I, yeah, if you, you if you be dedicated to mm-hmm. if you be dedicated, I said okay, I'll be dedicated. Give me one hour a day, and I went to this guy every day, and I go to my room, I go to the toilet, I go into the, in the dining hall, the child. I got a book in my hand, something I'm trying to read notes I got, and I and I and I went back and I went to school, and I got my GED. Oh wow! And when I got my GED, I went back to this man. I said, I'm ready to finish my conversation. He said, You got that GED? I said, Yeah, I got it, and I popped it out on him. Bam. (laughs) He said, we can talk now. And I asked him, I said, let me ask you something. He said, yeah. I said, you know Jesus Christ? He said, no. I said, well, I don't want to talk to you until you find out who Jesus is. (laughs) And I love him. All right. We're talking. So three months later, he he called me back across the compound. I come out, I said, yeah, you got that information? He said, yeah, I found out who Jesus was. And better yet, I said him as my Lord and Savior. I said, now we can talk. Oh wow! So for the next four years, he taught me. He was teaching me formulas, teaching me how to um, how to structure sentences. He taught me what pronouns and all this other stuff was. He was just going on down the line teaching. I was teaching him the Bible, and 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 for you know that was that was prohibited in prison because we don't uh, have no relationship in prison with the police. We, we is not it's prohibited. So wait a minute, I, I, they, I you not, can't
0: read the Bible in prison? Is that what you were telling me? You no, know, you can read the Bible,
1: but I'm, I'm saying being you know. Uh, you you having a having a relationship with the police in any kind of way? All right,
0: uh, I do have a wonderful guest His name is Greg Commander. Greg had himself called himself an animal when he was out there in the streets. He said he was a thug, and the question is: Is there redemption after uh, prison? And uh, the other thing I think that a lot of folks are probably wondering. Um, and I, I'll ask you, if you were the same person as you were when you went in, did you deserve to walk, walk amongst the rest of us, Greg? Um,
1: in the state of mind, again, those type questions are very difficult to answer because, you know, regardless of how, how much I was an animal, how much I was uh, in the eyes of others, somewhere in myself I feel like, you know, I should be accepted for who I am. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the thing with, you know, uh, this ongoing behavior is because when you go to the stage that, it, it is that you should be accepted for who you are and you don't know my life and I'm, I'm doing what I got to do to survive and all these different, you know, <clears throat> excuses excuses that we use, we feel that at the end of the day, being that single person that I was telling you about, Deep down, that person has something in them that knowing that they are much greater than what they are and what they're doing.
0: But see, in the meantime, well, even though you have that potential, you're wreaking havoc on the community, and most, you can't yeah, take that but, back.
1: You can't. You can't take. You can't take that back because that's why it's important uh, for me, from my perspective. You know, if someone would reach me and notice, you said someone not a whole lot of people. Right. If somebody could have reached, reached to me and dealt with me as an individual, not as a gang member, not as a dope dealer, but as a person, which is this is where the problem that we have with the the gang members today and the people in the street, nobody know how to reach them as an individual. So they try to reach them as a global piece as a whole. Mm. And it's almost like being at the radio station or any job that you have. Right. You're responsible for everybody because you all work there. Or they treat you a certain way because you work at a certain organization. If you work at McDonald's and McDonald's got a bad burger, because you're working for McDonald's, everybody looking at you different. Everybody looking at you wrong. Right. So that's where an individual feel when we're going through something. And, and deep down, we are, we're individuals that just because I'm there, my heart may be some totally somewhere else.
0: All right. Let's go to our telephone calls, and I want to find out, when you got out, because you have to have some kind of support. If you if you don't, when you come out of prison, if you don't have the right support, you're 70% chance that you're going to go back into the system. 70%. Yes, ma'am. Let's go to our callers. I've got Ron on the line. Hi, Ron. How are you?
1: Hey, Perry. This is Ron. See, I told Marsha I started using that to make distinguish myself. Ron is pretty common. But I wanted to ask you a guess, Pierre. Uh, what is his opinion and view as far as when you talk about redemption? Uh, one of the things that really disappoints me when I find out that older guys, people of uh, upper age, come back out of prison with a lot of the same behavior. Actually, I want to find out from him that comment. And, period if I can not ask a second question, ask him how how effective are uh, these uh programs like the ceasefire programs uh what's his opinion on on those things so those are my two questions and thank you very much
0: all right thank you go ahead uh greg um
1: for one of, one of the one of the questions um uh, dealing with the ceasefire um one thing about ceasefire that um that is very difficult to to actually to live and to be very successful because you have to have someone. With heart, someone got to know the streets. One have to know how to deal with individuals. Um, and be able everybody that te- that that knows something is not a teacher. Right. You have to have this gift, it has to be within you. You gotta have the passion and the love for someone, not not because you going in to 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 get a job and, and because you was a thug, this job fits me. You know, you can't do right. that. Right. You have to go in with the passion. You got to go in the love and the understanding of where these young brothers at. Where these young brothers at in the street. Um, um because I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't take that job because I, I had to talk to everyone. And one thing with the ceasefire and being and being working for them, you can't just go anywhere that you want and teach when you have to. Or when no, I'm you a, got you,
0: you have, have to know those stre- You have to know those streets and the participants yes yes you have to know it because if they start questioning you and start putting you down you don't
1: understand it or you don't know what you're talking about when they come down and they start quizzing, there's not no dummies to the streets they got to realize they're they in the streets so they know the streets and if you ain't sharp with the street you just got a penitentiary and you'll be 18 years in prison like myself and i come out here these are
0: different streets these are not the same streets okay. i can't tell these young men is nothing now, now and that's the other question for example um, some of the old school guys—I'm I'm talking about congressmen and others—they're, I think, they're still stuck in the '70s and '80s. They think that if um, you let out a Larry Hoover or Jeff Fort, that they're going to be able to control these streets. They're, this is a whole different game with these young people today, isn't it? It's a different ball game. You
1: can't do that. See, Right. I came out here. I've been out here. I've been out here eleven years, and I'm still studying. I'm still reading and knowledge, trying to get the understanding. I have to go on YouTube and find out what's going on. I can't just go out and just say, you know, because I've been, you know, I've been redeemed, and, and here I am now. I'm out here to teach and tell everybody. No, it's not like that. You it's not like that because I, they're I'm not going to receive platform.
0: it because they're they not it. They're not. They can and they have no intention. Let's go to um, Mike V. Hey, Mike V.
2: Hey, Miss Perry Smalls, how you doing? I'm
0: good, how you doing?
2: Real good, real good. What's happening, Brother Greg Commander?
1: I'm blessed, brother. How are you?
2: Likewise, likewise. I don't know you, but I feel like I know you, man. And one of the questions that I got for you is simply, simply, what is your opinion of what's going on with the police and the people right now, because I wanted to ask Perry the question of uh-huh. uh, how is the black police officers dealing with the fact that all these white police officers that they work with are killing black young youth? And I just want now that we on this su- uh, topic with Greg, I wanted to ask Mr. Commander, what is his opinion on what he thinks should happen when it comes to the police and these
0: young brothers out these here. These police street. shootings in, of these unarmed black men. What what are your thoughts about that?
1: Well, the, uh, again, I'm going back to it's, it's the lack of communication. Are not dealing with a black black men, You look at it as as a game. You look at it as, as animals. So if, you go, if you're going if you going to go in the woods and you and you looking for bear. Are you hunting bear? Are you hunting deer? Are you hunting geese? Are you hunting turkeys? You hunt different for every for each one. You're different. And what they, what was happening is we have been singled out as animals mm-hmm. because you can't deal with me on this level. So therefore, the only way I can comprehend this strength and this power of you as a man, I have to come. I can't slip with him. I got to be. I got to be on guard at all time. Any move that I make, you know it. He can kill me. He can hurt me. He has no problem. He kills one another. He kills another black man. What is this for him to kill me? So, like, I feel like, you know, really, if you look at it, they don't, they, really, do you want to really stop black-on-black crime, really? No, I don't think so. You know why? The reason why you don't want to stop, because if they're animals that you say they are, they'll stop killing blacks and start killing what?
0: Yeah. And
1: then, and with that being said, if, 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 if we if we tame them not to kill one another as
0: they animals they still kill us but are they really killers? Well, I can well, tell and, you and this, that, Greg. Somebody um, put on Facebook. They said it's like they're hunting us. It's it's really ironic yeah. that you use this this term of an animal and how they come at us. But they, you're right. They, someone said that we are as black people are being hunted because we're not seen as human. That's why exactly.
1: you, can... when you go... go ahead. Yeah, that's why when you go, when you... it's just like when you go in a store. Why are you being watched? Right. You ain't been you hunted in the store, but why are you being watched more than this other individual? Hmm. Because just... they know for you to be, property is, again, property in between the 10th floor and the first floor, there's
0: property. Yeah. Well, how do you deal with somebody in poverty? This is where you deal with them. Uh, We're talking to Greg Commander. Greg is a redeemed ex-offender who spends time with young people. Sixteen ninety WBO, and we've been having a very candid conversation with Greg Greg, Greg Commander, who um, is an ex-offender and he has turned his life around. uh, uh, Eleven years out of uh, prison. And, of course, it's just like all of the different stories we heard uh, last year. They were selling uh, cocaine. And who is Kevin Commander? Is he a relative of yours?
1: That's my brother.
0: Okay. So both of you all did time together.
1: We both both did 18 years.
0: Wow. Uh Uh-huh. That is incredible. And I bet you those prosecutors thought that was like hitting jackpot, didn't they?
1: Oh, most definitely. It was. It, it was. It was because really, really, we all went to trial. It was. It was actually eight of us, and we all went to trial. And um, when they got us, you know, because you know, like they say, conspiracy is a serious felony. Right. You can't get away. Is what they keep telling me. Right. And it, it, it appeared to be true because their ratings on on incarceration was like ninety eight percent conviction rate. Phew.
0: Let's go to and Cheryl. Yeah, that, that's something. Cheryl, thank you. What did your juries look like? I, I have a question. Okay, go ahead, Cheryl. Ask your question. Go, go ahead.
3: Okay, I just Googled gangs in Chicago, right? They said there's 50, 55 gangs and 747 factions, which I have no idea what a faction is. I was wondering to ask your guest, when he was a teen, was he indoctrinated as a teen and that led him to prison, or does he think that the city is run by gangs and the police just shoot to kill because there's just too many gangs?
0: Hmm,
1: that's interesting. say the last part again?
3: I'm thinking, like, if, I, if, if, if the police officers don't run the city, which I don't think they do, I think the gangs run the city like they've always done in Chicago, back to the mm-hmm. Italian gangs. Just like the Godfather, uh, they had a, the movie. They had a factions where all of them got together at the table and talked about each other, each other's territory. Have you seen the film of The Godfather? Uh huh. Yes, ma'am. So just going, just reflecting on that, I'm just. I guess I'm getting to the point where I think police officers will get away with killing black men and some women because everyone's in a game. If you've got 55 gangs, 747 factions, and 2, 2,500 subsets. That's a whole lot of black people in gangs. So how are they going to uh-huh. know, like, if I kill somebody, well, I just killed a gang member. That's their mindset. I wouldn't say uh-huh. animals. They want to get rid of gangs. They don't care what gang you're in.
1: Well, you, you know, know where I'm coming and, from. And, and, yes, I, I understand where you're coming from. And that's that's why, uh, while saying what I was saying a little earlier about, you know, dealing with individuals, and if we can talk about the number how many gangs but can we call the numbers of how many individuals? We can't. Because we don't look exactly. at them as as, as a... Right. Ma'am?
3: When you're a teenager and then you wind up in jail and you wind up getting out, what happens to those older men that are 40 to 65 that used to be gang members? How come they're not meeting because that faction is still alive?
1: The reason why they're not meeting because they... They, first of all they don't know how they never gave themselves a chance i'm'm I'm, I'm, I'm talking from that place because i was that individual i'm an older individual now i'm i'm actually 55 i can't i went to prison when i was 24 years old i was 40 some years old when i got out of prison and i've been out 11 years
3: but did you have to so be I'm that i'm that individual, individual. Mm-hmm. excuse me
1: did you have to be in the gang as a teen or not? was that a choice you had to make? No, well, I said earlier when you, when you, when my mom passed away and my dad left home, I was left to survive and try to make a way and the only way that I knew how looking out of my window, I saw gang bangers, hustles, robbers, thieves, and all this and that's what i that's what I had to go to to find my way. And when I got out there in order for me to to get these, the drugs and this stuff that I needed, I needed, I needed a support team. So the support team came with the gang and the brothers that was had the strongest click and and got involved. And I was easily accepted because I was nice with my hands I had no problem with hurting the next man who tried to hurt anybody
0: that's dealing with me. All right, then so, let, we- let me just, cause we're, we're out of time, uh, Greg. So tell me, um, who was Karen Hicks to you, and, and how did she help you? I'm glad you asked that. You know, when I came
1: home to High Point, I didn't have a place to live. And this is, uh, in, North was,
0: this is in North this Carolina? This is in North Carolina. Okay. Right.
1: Yes. I had no place to live because my sister and them, they were struggling. They were, living in the, they, were, they were struggling. They were living in the house with a daughter, and they had a house full of kids and, and only three bedrooms. And one small bathroom, we had no place to stay. Wow. I went to Chicago, and uh, how I ended up in Chicago—it was, it was a young. Uh, it was a lady that, that that who supported us during my incarceration, Miss um, Washington. She took me and my brother in and gave us a place to stay uh, in Chicago oh, wow. uh, through, through prison ministry. Didn't know anything about it, but God blessed her to be in our life to support us uh, once we came home and. Her and my my brother had an altercation. I was working at St. James um, Wellness. I was a personal trainer, and um, I was doing some speaking in Chicago. As soon as I came home, I was on the ground fighting and working, trying to help our community. And this is where I met Karen Hicks at. Um, I got with this guy. I forget his name. Karen knows his name, but I forget. Mm -hmm. But he was a police officer who had a a mentoring program. And um, I was with him i was introduced to him and i started speaking to his group of kids and, and the parents and they set this this program up for me to speak at the church and it was like six to seven kids there wow and i spoke and, and karen was one of the ones that was in, in in the audience and karen came to me after i spoke it was all i had all the kids attention and when they asked the, someone to bring for, uh, money up to to the speaker. All the kids was was going to this is what Karen said. She said she seen all the kids going in their pockets or asking their mama for money to go put money in there and that blew her away. Oh I wow. had something special. So when I got put out when my, my, my the the lady that took us in had an altercation with my brother, when we got put out, I called Karen. Karen immediately came and picked picked me and my brother up and gave us a place to stay. Wow.
0: And, that that's amazing. And like I said, I I am almost out of time, but I would love to have you come back. What's your nonprofit? How can people find that, you?
1: Um Commander Peace Academy. And I'm on Facebook as Greg Command as Greg G R E G Command C O M M A N D. Um you can find you see some of my work that I'm doing that I do online. Uh, You see some of the work that I do. I'm actually doing right now, I'm doing a campaign right now called Mask Up. And I'd like to introduce it to you guys. You know, the importance of masking up today. We need our people's masking up because uh, they predict a lot of dying, you know. And we have to work to to stop that. And one of them is masking up and staying distance.
0: Well, you're doing some Um, great work out there. And, Greg, thank you so much. You have a very inspiring uh, story. And I just want to thank you for being with us, okay?
1: Well, thank you all so much. And tell Karen I love her, and I can't wait to see her again. I hope this corona thing fly over so I can get down to Chicago. All right. Well, we'll look forward to it.